Hello, thank you for visiting the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, feel free to visit our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And now here is this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Vineyard. It's good to have you here. My name is Adam Russell. I'm the pastor at the church, and uh, it's good to have you around with us this morning. Good to see all your faces. Nate Irwin, what up, dog? Boom, right there. High five. Everybody just give Nate a high five. Boom. Boom. That's right. We promise not to embarrass anyone else, but I retain the right to embarrass at least one person a week, right? Okay. Hey, here's what I want to do this morning. I want to continue the series that we're working through. Um, Started it last week, and basically we're going to take the month of October, and we're going to do a series called The Invitations of Jesus. Uh, And the reason we're doing that is because when you read the Gospels, one of the things that you will notice, if you read rather closely, is that Jesus is oftentimes making invitations to people. Uh, Rather than making like uh, coercive, arm behind the back, uh, tap out demands of people, what Jesus does is he invites people to come into his life. And I want to pick up another one of the invitations of Jesus, which is out of the Gospel of John, chapter 7. And I want to talk to you this morning about all who are thirsty. But before we do that, I just want to tell you a story uh, before we hit the text. Um, I think most of us in the room know what it's like to occasionally be really, really thirsty. Anybody here know what I mean? Yeah, you eventually get there. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Magnolia and I, we went to Chicago for a couple of days uh, with the intention of just being together and seeing the city. Uh, so at least once a year, I take one of my kids away and we just go on a trip and we usually go to a big city and we just see stuff and eat good food and go to museums. And So we had driven to Chicago and we got there at about one in the afternoon and we finally found a parking place that took about a half hour, and we ditched it, and we drug our bags into the hotel, threw our bags in the room, and we just, we were, we were on a mission, you know? I thought, you know, if we, can, if, we do, if we book it from where we're at, we can actually walk to the Art Institute, because we stayed downtown, and so we headed off walking to the Art Institute, which was a, just a touch over two miles away, and we just kept making little diversions because, you know, downtown in a really big city, there's all kinds of really cool stuff, especially when you live in middle of nowhere, Kentucky. It's easy to be distracted, and so we allowed ourselves to be distracted at any moment, and we went and took pictures by the bean, you know, all the things you have to do when you're in Chicago. And then we finally make it to the Art Institute, and we go in, and we buy our tickets, and we, you know, we do the little serpentine line thing, and And as soon as we buy our tickets, we walk into the sort of main auditorium, and then we go into the first big room with all these paintings, and then we both realize we're really, really thirsty. Like, really thirsty. And so we get our map out. You know how they give you those? those, They're they're unreadable, you know? They give you this unreadable map, and so we're we're trying to figure out where's the cafe, because I know there's a cafe in this place somewhere, and wouldn't you know it, where's the cafe? On the other end, it's as far away from us as it could possibly be. It's at the very back of the museum, and it's in the basement. And so we, we just start trucking through the museum, and we are walking. We are walking past every single priceless piece of art 
as fast as can be, and we were on our way to get something to drink. And I just want to tell you right there, I think there's some sort of a parable in that, you know? Like we're blasting by priceless works of art on our way to get a drink, you know? Uh, one of the things that occurred to me later is that uh, Van Gogh is only refreshing after you buy a $7 water in the basement cafe. <laughs> But that's what thirst does. Um, thirst drives you. you. You have to attend to it. Uh, your very life requires it. And until your base desires of thirst are quenched, well then beauty, art, leisure, and pleasure are actually unattainable. So with that in mind, we come to our text this morning. And it's just a couple verses out of the Gospel of John. If we could put that up. This is John 7 goes like this, on the last day, the climax of the festival. What festival? that would be the festival of tabernacles or the festival of tents when Israel remembered that they once lived in tents in the wilderness. On the climax of that festival, Jesus stood and he shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink for the scriptures declare Rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. And by the way, the word glory in the Gospel of John, it almost always refers to Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Just have to throw that out there. Mostly because in the charismatic church, we love to talk about glory and we don't understand what we're talking about. We have no idea. So here we have Jesus, and he is shouting a prophetic invitation. And the invitation is this If anyone is thirsty, they can come to me. So we're in this series like I said a few moments ago, that's all about the invitations of Jesus. Because in the Gospels, Jesus is always inviting people. And one of the things I've noticed is that Jesus is usually inviting people to come to him. Uh, last week we saw that Jesus invited everybody who was tired and weary to come to him. And this week Jesus is inviting everybody who's thirsty to come to him. In fact, this is one of the most common elements of his invitations. They almost all center on people coming to him. And one of the things I think that should um, spark for us is just this central reality that Jesus is always the person you're looking for. He's actually always the thing you're looking for. And maybe you didn't know that, but he's always the thing. Like right now, uh, you would do well if you were to think about your life. Think about your life. And the thing you need to understand as you think about your life and as you consider your life is that the thing you're actually really looking for is the Son of God. The thing you think you need is actually just a sign pointing you to the thing you really need. So all of our weariness, all of our fatigue, and all of our thirsts, they're all speaking to us if we'll let them. And they're telling us, come to Jesus. So if you're here this morning... And uh, maybe you're new to this church thing. Like, you're here and you're like a little uncomfortable 
and uh, the singing was kind of strange. And why were there children? <laughs> and why did we uh, dip bread in grape juice? Like, what is this? So if you're kind of like here new, uh, and you're not entirely sure why you're here, or what it is that drove you here, let me just fill in the gaps for you. Uh, the reason you're here is because what you're really looking for is the living and active presence of the Son of God in your life. Like there may have been some other issue that brought you here. Maybe you're trying to overcome an addiction or maybe you're just like a super depressed person and you're looking for like life meaning. Well, you're not really just looking for life meaning. You're looking for the Son of God. And maybe you're the type of person who's been here a lot. Maybe you've been here for years. And I just want to tell you the thing you're still looking for, we never outgrow this, is the Son of God. The good news is that you're looking for the Son of God, and the better news is that he's extending an invitation to you. And here's the best news in all of this. In order to receive Jesus, in order to enter into his invitation, you don't have to be anything other than thirsty. That's actually really great news. You know, sometimes, sometimes we think in order to come to God, we have to have it all together, or that we have to be okay or that we at least need to be pretty solid. But praise the Lord, Jesus is really kind and he has remarkably low standards. Because all you have to be is thirsty. Which is just another way of saying needy. The only thing you have to be this morning is needy. The only thing you have to be this morning is empty. Or incomplete. Or desperate. Thirsty is just another word for desperate. Thirsty is just another word for incomplete and empty. Or if you want to use this word, if it makes you feel better, human. All you have to be this morning in order to respond to Jesus' invitation is human. See, some of us in the room thought that Jesus was looking for quenched people. Jesus never says, everyone who is filled up and quenched, come to me. No, he says, everybody who's weary, everybody who's tired, and everybody who's thirsty, come to me. You don't have to be quenched. Your life can be incomplete. If that's you this morning, you can come to Jesus. So the question is this, well, who is thirsty, right? Who is thirsty? Well, truthfully, and this is why I love Jesus' image about thirst, who is thirsty? The truth is everybody's thirsty. It's a natural condition of life. It comes to every person every day, right? That's part of what Jesus is saying. Everybody who has a need that shows up all the time, you know, come to me. So when Jesus says, if anyone's thirsty, he's really saying, whoever is human, come to me. Or at least everybody who's self-aware and awake. This is one of the ways that Jesus is a gift to us. He wakes us up to reality. And we don't have to deny the reality of our lives in order to receive his life. Now, I also want you to know that Jesus' statement this morning, if anybody who's thirsty, come to me, I also want you to know that this is loaded with Old Testament significance, if we can hear it. One of the things you got to do when you're reading the Bible, especially if you're reading Jesus, is you got to know that almost every time Jesus stands up and begins to talk to anyone, it's just loaded with Old Testament resonances. Loaded with Old Testament resonances. And so when Jesus says, if anybody's thirsty, come to me, there's at least three places in the Old Testament that it is echoing. These words are coming from. Three places at least, and two of them are kind of biggies, so we're going to look at those this morning because they'll help us sort of enter into his 
invitation. I hope you notice in our text this morning that Jesus used the word thirst twice and he also uses the word anyone twice. And right away, if you're sort of a Bible person, you'll probably realize the scripture that's already been flashed up here. Isaiah 55. This is one of the great Old Testament promises. This is the promise about the day of the Lord. This is the messianic promise. This is, this is the hope of Israel. Many, many years before Jesus ever shows up, Isaiah prophesies this. Is anybody thirsty? Is anyone thirsty? Well, come and drink. Even if you don't have any money, come and take your choice of milk or wine. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. And so when Jesus stands up this day at this festival, he knows what he's doing and he's letting people know that all of this Old Testament hope that they've been carrying around for hundreds of years, it's come present in him. So if we take Jesus' invitation in John 7 and we recognize that it's some sort of a reverberation from Isaiah 55, what is he saying? I think he's saying a few things. First thing I think Jesus is saying is this. If you're thirsty, well, good news, that long-awaited drink has finally come. You know? Uh, The second thing that he's saying is, I am that drink. And the third thing he is saying, and this is actually very important, is, hey, guys, this is a season of surprises. And here's what I mean by that. I mean, most people who read Isaiah 55 figured when that day of messianic promise and messianic provision finally showed up, that they would rule the world. In fact, If you keep on reading in Isaiah 55, and I didn't put it up this morning, but you can look at it later. If you keep on reading in Isaiah 55, it goes on to say things like this. You'll command nations that you do not know. So here we have Jesus saying, if anybody's thirsty, come to me. It's an echo of Isaiah 55. Are you thirsty? Come and drink. You don't have money. It's totally cool. And then it goes on to say in this very same passage, you know what? We're going to command nations that we don't even know. They're going to bring us stuff, you know? This keeps going with this idea. And the reason I'm highlighting this is because Jesus is showing up at this temple and he is echoing this Old Testament messianic promise, everybody there would have heard it. It would have sparked their interest and they would have thought, great, we're going to rule the world. We're going to rule the world. But here's Jesus on the steps of the temple saying messianic stuff, making bold claims And meanwhile, Rome is running the show. And in a few days, Jesus will be dead as a deer on the side of a road. And even when he's resurrected, this is actually very important. Even when Jesus is resurrected, he doesn't go and find Pilate and give him the butt stomping that most would have figured. You know? So if you thought, well, he did the dying trick and now he's back. And now, you know, now we're going to go like... Give Pilate his comeuppance, right? Yeah, but he doesn't do that. Why? Why does he not do that? What gives? Uh, Number one, that's not how God's kingdom works. Number two, clearly. Number three, we have to hear the other echoes to actually know what's going on. Other echoes. What is the other echo? The other echo would be 
Ezekiel chapter 47, and I'm going to read you quite a few verses this morning, so why don't we put this up? Man, we're doing a lot of Bible this morning. God, PhD. Hmm. Digging deep, kids. This is Ezekiel. It's a weird book. Half the time it makes zero sense. And that's coming from someone who spent their entire life reading the Bible, okay? So if it doesn't make sense to you, you're in great company. But sometimes it makes a lot of sense. Check this out. Ezekiel says this, In my vision, the man... We don't have time to go about and talk about who the man is, okay? But if you want to, you can just think of it this way. The man. Brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and there I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple Passing to the right of the altar on its south side, the man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway and led me around to the eastern entrance. And there I could see the water flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. Confused yet? (laughs) Because I am. Measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet and then led me across. And the water was up to my ankles, and he measured off another 1750, and he led me across again. This time the water was up to my knees, another 1750, then it's to my waist. Then he measured another 1750, and the, wi- the river was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. Then he asked me, have you been watching, son of man? By the way, this is one of the reasons Jesus calls himself son of man. Have you been watching, son of man? Then he led me back along the riverbank, and when I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. Then he said to me, this river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Now, you might want to take a drink. (laughs) There will be swarms of living things. Wherever the water of this river flows, fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever the water flows. Fishermen will stand along the shores of the Dead Sea all the way from two places. Then the shores will be covered with nets in the drying sun. Fish of every kind will fill the Dead Sea just as they fill the Mediterranean. But the marshes and the swamps will not be purified. They will still be salty. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall. There will always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month, for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple, and the fruit will be food and the leaves for healing. There's other echoes in this passage, right? Some revelation echoes. Yeah. Okay, so what does this have to do with anything? Well, here's the picture. There's a river, it's coming out of the temple, and it's giving life everywhere it goes, and it gets deeper and deeper the further it gets from the temple. See, some of us are looking for life in here. The life is actually out there. It actually gets deeper the further you go, you know? This is part of what this picture is showing us. But the main thing I want you to see this morning is everywhere the river goes, there's life that goes with it. And it keeps getting deeper. And so you might be asking yourself, well, how is this an echo? Well, it's a picture of a river. And it's a picture of the work of the Spirit. Just exactly what Jesus was talking about in John 7. And get this. When Jesus is giving his talk, where is he at in John chapter 7? He's at the temple. 
right? He's standing up at the temple and he's saying, if you're thirsty, come to me. I've got water for you. And it's an echo of this Isaiah 55 passage, but it's also an echo of this Ezekiel passage. And Jesus is the fountainhead of that Ezekiel river that is beginning to flow out of the temple. And get this, when Jesus is giving this talk, when he is the headwater of this river, it is the river that will quench every thirst and it will revitalize the world. So what does this have to do with the first resonance we read in Isaiah? Well, I'm glad you asked. Jesus is proclaiming messianic prophecies and promises of the Old Testament. He is proclaiming the provision of God, the ending of all thirsts, the ending of hunger and the promise of the Spirit. But just like we told, what's just like we said a moment ago, Rome is in control. And I hope you notice that in the New Testament, Jesus isn't raising an army. Why? Because that's not how the Spirit works. It starts out small. Starts out small, only ankle deep. Then to the knees and then the waist and then swimming. And once you get to swimming, you got to read for that completely life-altering. So what does this mean for us? Oh, here's part of what it means for us. It means if you're thirsty, if you're thirsty, good news. The day of being quenched is here, and you should go ahead and you should take a drink. And it's going to kick off something in your life that will utterly shock you. This little river is going to flow. You're going to take in a cup of water, but then within you, a river will begin to flow. Where you come as a thirsty partaker, you will end with, with you being a spring of hope, a river of provision, not just for you, but for the world around you. And here's part of what the Ezekiel passage is saying. Don't be bummed by a trickle. Don't get bummed out if it's just ankle deep. You have to keep going. Like, like some of us have come to Jesus and we have begun to drink and we were told about the river, but we weren't told or we didn't understand that it might only start out as ankle deep. But you just got to keep going. If you'll keep going, it goes to your knees and it'll go to your waist and eventually you're swimming. Don't be bummed out by small stuff. Like the work of the Spirit is oftentimes small. It's the reason why Jesus wasn't raising an army because he knew what started as a trickle with him on the steps of an ancient temple would eventually surround the world with, uh, with the life of God and would ultimately change the world in a way no army ever could. And there's more. This drink that we're being invited to take, it's not just about our own thirst. It's about the world. Did you see that in, in Ezekiel 47? You know, it starts at the temple, but where's the water going? It's going into the world, and it keeps getting deeper. It keeps getting deeper. The further this thing goes from the temple, the deeper it gets. Read for that. The more profound that it gets. And hope you notice that the effects in Ezekiel 47, they are more profound. It eventually gets to the point where it's at the Dead Sea, a, a body of water that is so salty, no living thing can be found in it. And God is saying, the further this, this work of the Spirit thing goes, the further it gets away from the temple, the further it gets away from the presumed house of God, it's going to actually become more profound. You know, some of us in the room are like, you know what? 
Er, my early days with God, they were, so, they were so significant. Like My early experiences with God were so profound, and now it just seems like there's no river in my life. What's going on? I'm telling you, it's out there. It actually might not even be here for you anymore. It's like, it's out there. Where's the river going? It's going out there. What is out there? The world. The work of the Spirit was never meant to just quench your own thirst, and the work of the Spirit was never meant to entertain the church. The work of the Spirit was meant to take the church into the world. And every single time you see a profound move of the Spirit, anytime in the Scriptures, it's never staying in the temple. That's never the point. The point in John is you are the temple, go into the world. That's where it gets deeper. And so if you're looking for a more profound experience of God, if you're hoping for a more intimate knowledge of God, if you want to feel the fire the way you felt the fire, you can't simply stay here and expect that it's going to work that way. You're coming back to where it's ankle deep. If you'll go out there, you might swim around a little bit. It's challenging. And so what we see this morning is that Jesus is inviting thirsty people to come to him and to move from personal need to watering the world. That's the transition everybody is making here with the help of the Spirit. What is the spiritual path? To move from personal need to watering the world. How will the world be renewed? How will the world be renewed? Uh, when you take the work of the Spirit in your life into the world. That is how the world will be renewed. The work of the Spirit is more than quenching, it's watering the world. And here's what that means. It, remain, it means this, that renewal starts with us, but it always points outside. You know, in the Old Testament, Moses would go to the tent of meeting. Um, there's an amazing passage in, Ezek- in, in Exodus where it says that God would talk to Moses like, like a man talks to his friend. It's, it's one of those amazing things. It's like, I, I don't know what that is, but I kind of want that, you know? Um, but here's the shocking thing. Uh, Moses was, was actually commanded to leave the tent of meeting and go into the world. Why? Because encounters with the Spirit are never meant to stay in the tent or in the temple or at the church, but they are meant for the world. The disciples left the upper room and they went to all nations. What does that mean for us? It means that your thirst is a door to a much bigger work. In fact, in fact, the first best thing you could ever do for the world is to have your thirsts quenched in Jesus. And then let the river grow. Let it grow. You know? Uh, some of us are comfortable with the work of the Spirit here at church. Great. It's ankle deep. That's wonderful. Maybe the invitation for you in the next few months is to come out to where the Spirit is. Knee deep. Where's that? That'd be maybe your neighborhood. You know, to begin to take the renewing work of the Spirit into your salty neighborhood. You know, the Dead Sea that is your neighborhood. The neighbors you do not know. You know, you know one of the weird things now? Uh, you could live in a neighborhood your whole life and never know your neighbors. That is deeply anti-Christian. It's deeply unchristian. Like... Where's the work of the Spirit for you if you live in a neighborhood and you don't know your neighbors? It's with your salty neighbors, you know? <laughs> bringing, bringing the fresh water of God into 
the place you live, and uh, what might that look like? That might just look like having some people over to your house. You know? It could be as simple as hospitality. Mm-hmm. Some of us are comfortable with that, but maybe we need to go to waist deep or, or where the river is. So deep and so profound that we have to swim. God is inviting us out. So this morning, there's probably some of us in the room who need to come and get that first drink to let the river of God's Spirit to begin to flow. And then there's probably others of us who need to follow that stream that started in our lives many years ago and head out into the world. If you're wondering where the life is, it's always in that stream. It's so strange. It's thirsts, it's hunger, it's weariness, and it's fatigue that bring us to Jesus. And then he begins to do things in our life. And in order to maintain that sense of being quenched and cared for and fed, it actually requires us to go and find other thirsty, hungry, tired, and beleaguered friends. That's, that's where it's at. The life is in the sharing, right? Yeah, we've talked about this so many times this year. The disciples show up with Jesus, and there's this great crowd, and Jesus says, well, why don't you guys feed them? They're like, we, we don't have anything. And Jesus is like, well, what do we got? He's like, we got a couple pieces of bread and half a fish or whatever. And Jesus says, well, give it to me. And Jesus hands it back to the disciples, and as they begin to share what they've received from Jesus, everybody gets fed, and the disciples go back home with a basket full of what they didn't have, right? What, what's the point here? Uh, the life of the Spirit, the life of God is in the sharing. Like, sharing multiplies what you didn't have before or what you thought you didn't have. That's the way it goes. So what is the call for us this morning? The call for us this morning is for anybody who's thirsty to come and to get a drink. And for those of you who had a drink, to take that drink to someone else. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Hey, if you're on the ministry team this morning, why don't you come on up? Everybody else, why don't you stand up? Thank you again for stopping by the podcast at the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening here at the Vineyard, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Until next time, peace to you.